0: One Week Season.
1: Everybody, welcome to Week 14. I can't believe it's Week 14 already of the Edge Breakdown with HiLo and myself. If you're listening to this on podcast, it's your favorite one and a half speed. Don't forget you can see our pretty faces on YouTube with some data breakdown. We're gonna break down five games for you this week. We have the Jets at the Bills, the Browns at the Bengals, the Vikes at the Lions eagles at the giants and ravens at the steelers uh and if you're watching us you'll see we're we're getting this recorded a little later saturday i unfortunately had a funeral yesterday for my wife's family uh and you can see mark in his uniform because he's working because the man has like nine jobs so welcome everybody how you doing sir yeah, man, doing
0: great. Uh, yeah, excuse the poor lighting. I am currently in a fucking cubicle office in Phoenix, Arizona, while I'm doing drill. So uh, man of many hats, you know, they're all coming on and off uh, on the daily. So yeah, let's get it, man.
1: Yep. So uh want a quick recap last week. How did uh, last week go for you?
0: Oh God, dude, I don't even remember. This week has been so crazy. Um, oh yeah, I didn't cast cash a damn thing last week. I didn't do shit. Um, it was a I actually shifted to um I shifted to a like a mix MME kind of mindset last week because I liked the slate from a perspective of there was a lot of different routes that you could go. Um, I had all the pieces and like, I cashed some of my raw, I think I put, I think I put 12 rosters into play. Um, some of them were cash, but I never had anything threaten anything. So, um, it was kind of just like, a um, your, your weeks in DFS or best ball or whatever you're doing are basically like, you're hunting to, you're hunting to take down something and the weeks that you don't take down something, you can expect to lose 40 to 60 percent of what you put in. So that's kind of like what it was last week. Just lose like 40 percent.
1: Yeah, it was I was man, I was really close. So I actually figured out how to get the Hertz AJ Devonta stack in. Uh because I used um Joe, you know, Dotson, which ended up being great. Right. I, he five yeah. X his money, which is what we we're looking for. I am at 0.2 ownership. Kittle crushed me last week. Yeah. Uh, right. Like that was, and I had some Jimmy stacks that would, I would have been interested to see how those could have gone uh with some of that. Cause I had like Jimmy stacks with AJ, right? Like I was kind of all over it and just missed a little bit because my main yeah. back uh, was swift. I had swift on, I, so I ran 20 lineups last week. I had swift on 15 of them. So yeah. That first half, I sweat a little. I'm like, man, if they don't get him the touches, like I'm just dead. Like I'm dead in the water, Uh, you know. And it got him to that, you know, that 21 number that I needed, and um, I just miss having some of the right combinations. I I was close. I was hunting, Uh, but again, I'm trying to win. I, you know, yeah, it's you know, I better than swinging and missing. But I'm really happy that I that I figure out how to play that double stack of AJ. Uh, with, you know, Devonta and hurts. That was uh that was really nice. And uh, cause it was at such low ownership. I just said, Hey, I'm, I'm not going to get this too many times, but man, it was expensive. So I uh, yeah. had to get unique you know, on the rest of the roster. Well, we're going to go right into breaking down the jets at bills game. Uh, as you can see, right. The, the bills, you know, almost a 27 point total, the jets at 16 and a half. I really liked your write up on this, this week. Um, you know, you had some really good breakdowns on how you want to approach this game. And I want you to talk about um, the jets D Defense first Um, and you know how really underrated a second put in that conversation like you talked about with Denver and some of these other elite defenses yeah and I mean
0: excuse me I think the Jets defense remains underrated but what they have done has been nothing short of spectacular Um, we've talked about it before around the site how they are approaching things they have a below average blitz rate they're Able to settle into increased rates of zone coverage behind a defensive line and a linebacking core that has generated organic pressure. Um, very similar to a San Francisco prototype of defense, right? They are borderline elite on the back end, they are borderline elite up front, and they kind of just utilize that to their schematic advantage. They are a team that has elite talent on the back end in sauce Gardner um, in some of the other pieces in the secondary. And they are utilizing those pieces with layered coverages. So what that is doing is it presents uniqueness. Um, it, it, pre- it, pre- it presents like a unique uh, something. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. It presents pre- Jesus Christ. It presents a, um, a look to opposing quarterbacks that they don't, often see because their defense is highly unique in the way that they function. They send, um, strong side safety blitzes. When they do blitz, they send weak side linebacker blitzes. They send all these different unique packages. Um, and they're, the personnel that they have on the defensive side is very, uh, malleable. They're able to mix and match kind of what they're doing. So because of that, They are highly disruptive to opponent drives because they are able to send these unique looks um, that quarterbacks aren't really not that they're not prepared for them. It's just that they are like, they're able to give different looks to different teams that, that the, the, their opponents haven't been able to see on film. So, what that is doing is it's making it so that they they are disrupting drives. They are allowed to run this offense that is a little bit more conservative. That's changed a little bit with the Mike White era entering yep. the scene. Um, but they are, they're basically allowing or they have allowed their offense to play this, like, don't lose the game for us. Our defense is going to do what they do, and we're going to make sure that we d- disrupt enough drives that our time of possession is elevated, that we are allowed to basically adapt this like methodical mindset on defense that allows our offense to, to have a little bit more leeway. That's changed a little bit over the last two weeks now with Mike White entering the fray in the sense that they are, they're allowed to do a little bit more offensively than they have in the past. Um, they, we've saw with Zach Wilson extremely turnover prone, um, poor decision maker, poor pocket presence. They were basically just trying to, that's a very
1: nice way to say that.
0: Yeah. So not an NFL caliber quarterback yet, (laughs) whether that happens eventually, I don't know, whatever, like that's over to Robert Sala and the quarterbacks coach and the offensive coordinator to develop him, but he's not there yet. They made the switch because they have Mike white who is better at reading a defense. He is capable of attacking downfield at a better rate. His like his efficiency in downfield is better than Zach Wilson, who is just this like screw it YOLO. I'm going to toss the ball and see what happens. And um, he's also a little bit better than, well, a lot of bit better than Zach Wilson under pressure, who has been one of the worst quarterbacks in the league under pressure this season. So what that has done is it has allowed them to not be as heavily reliant on their defense to win games for them, which is they want their defense to keep them in games. Now they're able to push the tempo. They're able to push things a little bit on offense to where like they can organically make some stuff happen now with Mike White uh, in the fold. The other piece to that is Garrett Wilson and Mike White have an established like bro Chacho connection at this point, like um, to the point where Wilson full on bromance going there is full on, dude, uh, to the point where Wilson is there. There, the team is wearing like um, Mike F and White t-shirts <laughs> as they walk into the stadium. Uh, Garrett Wilson is like talking to the media, media how he would go to battle for Mike White. Um, and when Zach Wilson was quarterback, he was talking to the media about how the offensive woes are not his fault. So night and day, really, um, with like kind of the. Uh, The culture that they're very similar
1: to a situation we have in Seattle right now,
0: correct? Yeah, so a big culture shift in New York, and this is still a team that's you know they're elite uh, on defense, they're underrated and elite on defense, um, and they, they play a lot of zones. So, what does that mean for like this matchup? Well. I don't know. It, 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 it introduces a wide range of matchup or a wide range of potential outcomes because of the fact that when you put strength on strength, one side typically wins out at like an extreme at one of the extremes. Um, you typically don't see like, I don't know how to best put this, but typically when you see a strength on strength matchup, one side is eventually going to give whether when that happens in through, through the course of a game, through the course of a season, whatever case may be, one side is going to give at some point, because this is, uh, this is the NFL. This is the elite of the elite. So like whether or not it's going to be the bills that breaks through, whether or not the jets are going to hold the bills, um, whether or not we're going to see a similar game set up to the last time these teams played when the jets won by three, there's a wide range of potential outcomes here. Um, the other piece of that is Josh Allen is continuing to be a one of the better quarterbacks against the blitz. The problem is, like we saw against uh, the Jets in the first go round here, is the Jets are creating pressure without blitzing. And so while while um, while uh, Josh Allen, sorry, dude, i like I am freaking tits up today. I've been awake since four and just working. But anyway, while Josh Allen is now elite at diagnosing a defense, particularly against the blitz, where he has struggled in the past. Now he is like PFFs amongst the top three quarterbacks in PFF grade against the blitz. The problem, like we saw in the last game, the last meeting between these two is the jets don't need to blitz to generate that pressure. So while. Josh Allen has taken strides against the blitz, diagnosing a defense, reading the defense, seeing where it's going to come from and picking the soft spot behind the blitz. He is still below average at at processing when he's under pressure, when a team is not blitzing. And that's kind of what Jets are going to throw at him this week. So there's opportunity. Josh Allen is this, this, like leaning forward quarterback. He wants perfection every time he touches the ball. What that has led to is some of these mistakes that we've seen, these red zone interceptions, these ill-advised throws where he's trying to make it happen still, even though it might not be optimal to make that throw, uh, is kind of what we've seen from Josh Allen this year. So that introduces another piece of this like wide range potential outcomes. We could see some turnovers. We could see Josh Allen just light them up uh, against a zone defense. Um, they have Stefan Diggs, who is elite against zone. They have Isaiah McKenzie, who is a, a chess piece that they have utilized heavily against zone coverages. They have James Cook, who came on last week and basically matched Devin Singletary's snap rate, but saw 20 touches. So that's an interesting piece to consider this week as well. So a wide range of outcomes game is basically the the name of the game here.
1: So how do you get exposure to this game? Do you want any, are you willing to pay up for, you know, Allen and Diggs, or is this, Hey, I'm going to leverage off this and and go another direction, especially when you talked about two strengths, right. Defense on defense. Um, And, you know, you have running back by committee and the jets backfield Carter's back Uh, the jets, you know, um, obviously we're, you know, you're seeing the Wilson get the ownership because of that connection. But do you want any exposure here?
0: Yeah. Garrett Wilson and James Cook are probably the players that I want exposure to. Um, James Cook is priced at 4.6. And if he's probably not like his likeliest scenario is probably not that he's going to see 20 opportunities again this week, but he's seen two games in a row with increased pass game usage. This team is obviously striving to change the way that they are approaching games because last week we saw 20 increased 21 personnel rates with both Naheem Hines and James Cook on the field together. So they're um, they were playing around with that in the red zone. Naheem Hines saw a couple of red zone uh, receptions was unable to get in the end zone. We saw him with a, a one red zone rush. We saw James Cook getting involved in the red zone. So this is a team that they're, I think they're, they're utilizing this the rest of the season, knowing that, they have a playoff spot locked up. Well, now they're fighting for the top overall spot and the only buy in the AFC. So they're trying to figure things out. Um, they're trying to figure out how they want to operate their offense, moving into the uh, postseason. And I think James cook is a, is going to be a vital piece of that puzzle for them. So probably again, unlikely to see 20 running back opportunities, but there is upside here. Should he continue to see an increased role in this offense? It That is amplified by the fact that a pass catching running back is a vital piece of the puzzle against a zone defense. So we could see another like six to eight, nine target game from James Cook here, which would not surprise me in the least. Where he gains increased intrigue to me is the fact that the state of the slate at the running back position is much, much weaker than I think the field is giving credit for it when you see a when you see derek henry amongst the top 2 owned running backs in a difficult matchup when he has seen only 17 running back opportunities per game over the last 5 weeks that kind of highlights the fact that this yep. the state of the running back position on this slate is is pretty atrocious so that gives increased intrigue to me and increased leverage to a near min priced running back at 4.6 who is coming off a 20 running back opportunity game so um, I think there's interesting ways to play that. And then with Garrett Wilson, he has proven that he doesn't need to find the end zone to prove fantasy, his fantasy relevance, his workload or his receiving load has basically been equivalent to like Justin Jefferson in non Zach Wilson games. So that's, um, and he is like 11th. I forget what exactly, I think it's 11th, but I wrote it up or I put it in the write up. I think he's 11th in PFF grade against zone coverage this season. So, um, and the Uh, Bills have, yeah, the Bills have been um, one of the higher zone rate coverage defenses in the league. How that changes now with Tredavious White coming back, um, now healthy with uh, Tremaine Edmonds, now healthy in the middle of the field, I don't know. But they have shown that they're going to play zone at increased rate. um, And they started the season. With the highest rate of zone coverages before the injuries to uh, Tredavious White and Tremaine Edmonds, so um, I'd expect uh, Garrett Wilson to approach or surpass double-digit looks again. And at his price of only five point nine, that's something that we should have interest in here.
1: Well, speaking of high ownership running backs, let's talk about the currently projected number one owned running back this week uh, in Joe Mixon. And we have the Browns going against the Bengals and a, you know, big matchup over here. Again, we only have one team total this week at 50. We're, you know, by McGenna again in week 14. And there's some interesting spots here. Deshaun Watson last week looked like he hadn't played a game in two years. That's how he looked to me. He looked super rusty. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Shocking, right? You actually haven't played an NFL game in almost two years and it kind of looked like it. Nick Chubb continues to be the guy that has a good floor, but is he ever really going to get you five X, right? Like he he never yeah. seems to have that five X game. How are you approaching this? Is this a week where you think, you know, we can start seeing, you know, some more exposure to Deshaun versus the Bengals? Like how, how do you like lining this game up?
0: It's another extremely wide range of potential outcomes game. Um, We obviously have the known wide range of outcomes with with Deshaun Watson. We obviously know that Cleveland is still not mathematically eliminated from the playoff hunt. How are they going to change what they've been doing against an opponent that is probably going to put up some points? We don't know. The other piece of that is I find it hilarious that Joe Mixon is getting the steam he is from some of the major talking hits uh, around the industry this week. I'm blown away by it. Break down what Joe Mixon has done this season. Include his five touchdown outburst. Joe Mixon has a laughably low 2.5% breakaway run rate this season. That's 45th in the league. He has evaded a total of 22 tackles, which is 44th in the league. And he's done that at a top five snap rate at the running back position. He has an 11.1% juke rate that ranks 52nd in the league. His 4.6 yards per touch ranks 36th in the league. Like, yeah, this dude is on a, he's a starting quarterback or a borderline, like workhorse quarterback or running back Jesus on one of the top offenses in the league but he has vastly underperformed his expectations this season. Also, you consider the fact that he has hit 3x his salary multiplier for week 14 (laughs) only twice all season. And one of those was his like five-touchdown eruption game. And the fact that his price has remained relatively steady the entire season. So with the fact that he is not producing, but his salary has remained relatively static – that indicates to me that he is being owned. Like people are rostering him through this whole thing. It's like, why, (laughs) why am I doing that? So again, that the fact that Joe Mixon is expected to be the top owned running back on this slate speaks to how shitty the state of the running back position (laughs) is. So that's uh, another like nod to like, Hey, let's get a little explorative with our running backs this week. James cook at 4.6 is interesting um yeah I'm not going to be fighting the ownership on either of the two big name running backs that we've talked about so far.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll it's a full fade for me there. Uh the ownership just doesn't make sense. So let's look at though how we ex- get our exposure to the Bengals, right? We want exposure to this team. My man Boyd, speaking of that lineup just crushing me dropping that touchdown last week, right? Yeah. Uh that that was rough but what I like is, is he got again, what we expected in when Chase is in Boyd is, has more opportunity. Mm-hmm. Walk, walk me through how you've, how you've done with that as far. And when I say opportunity, he is getting, um, options at a rate he hasn't seen in games that chase has gone.
0: Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Chase is their field stretcher. Chase is their downfield guy. Um, T Higgins is more in line with a prototypical X type wide receiver. He's going to, he's the possession guy. He has the moderate a dot. He's that kind of guy. Jamar Chase is lift the lid off the defense, take a screen 80 yards to the house. He is their upside piece. So when you have that back in the offense, that is um, extending a defense vertically, you get that underneath stuff that opens up. So, um, Boyd is particularly interesting from that sense, in addition to the fact that Hayden Hurst is going to be out for this game, which is kind of who he's been fighting for those middle of field targets with. Um, So Boyd is interesting from that sense, very, very manageable price at 5k. But really the pieces that are grabbing my attention the most from this spot are the quarterback in Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And I think that you can stack, just run a skinny stack with just those guys. Add in Tyler Boyd if you want a full team stack. Um, But those are the two guys that carry the highest upside. In games that Jamar Chase has put the slate out of reach, there have been three of those occurrences in the, what, eight games that he's played. Uh, That's an extremely high rate. That's like anti-Joe Mixon, right? Who's done like even 3X just twice in the 12 games he's played. or what? 10 games he's played. Um, in those three games that Jamar Chase has exceeded for a salary multiplier, Joe Burrow also has put the slate out of reach in two of them. So, and by put the slate out of the reach at quarterback, that's like you had to have him because there are not multiple quarterbacks on slates this year that have like 35, 40 fantasy point upside. So if you miss out on that, you had to have that piece to win anything. A guy like Jamar chase, if he puts up 35 points, you can kind of make up for that because there's multiple wide receivers usually that are putting up that type of score on a slate. So optimal theory would dictate since that is case, if you're playing Jamar chase highly, highly or highly consider Joe burrow as a stacking partner.
1: I like that spot. Get in, get out, and move on with your salary. Um, Well, we're going to move on. What is the highest game total of the week? We are going to talk about the Vikings at the Lions. I will say I kind of – I opened when I saw Detroit open as a one-point favorite. (laughs) And now it's (laughs) – and now, hold on, it's moved up to – I don't know if you've seen today. It's moved up to two, Mm -hmm. right? And I can understand it but I also think this is a spot that's going to get interesting, right? This is garnering all the ownership, right? Golf is projected at one. Kirk is at three, right? We got sun God, right? At Jefferson, everybody's in here, right? Everybody's in play. This is another, you know, weird week at tight end in terms of where salary is not necessarily who you should play. How are you going to approach this game with it coming in as chalk and, Uh, what we we expect it to be and are you going to try to leverage it how do you how do you come at this how do you get exposure or is this you're going to try to take a stand and pivot off and and try to maybe get one piece of the game and then move on
0: there's a lot of nuance to this game because i think that the field is just like this is the only game over 50 points i have to get exposure there's a lot of nuance from the sense that the Lions are a different team over the last four weeks than we have seen over the rest of the season from the sense that to start the year, they were a very reactive unit. They wanted to run the ball and see what happened, uh, see where the game environment took them in the second half before altering their game plan. Over the last four weeks, they're top 10 in pass rate over expectation. Like they are doing it on their own now. On the other side of this game, the Vikings are viewed as this team that is going to push games. But then you look at like the underlying metrics of their team, like Kirk Cousins is bottom five in the league in intended air yards per pass attempt um, amongst regular starting quarterbacks this season. Uh Justin Jefferson is putting up like an unreal fantasy year, but he's doing that on a very modest A dot. So he's being, he's he's very much like in the Cooper Cup role. It's like he's seeing the volume and he's seeing the schemed usage that is making him an elite and he is elite in, in his set. but he's not really like seeing these high value downfield work. His value is coming from how they are scheming him the ball. And they're looking to get him in space with the ball in his hands. Same thing as Cooper cup. Like he'll see like downfield shots every now and then, but his primary focus of that offense is like, how do we get our best playmaker, Justin Jefferson, the ball in space and let him go. So that introduces like a wide range of outcomes from the Vikings as a team in the sense that like, they're not likely to be pushing things themselves. They have very much found their offensive success this season by methodically marching the ball down the field. So if the Vikings are controlling this game environment, it's likely because they are sustaining drives and they are eating up clock and all the things that go into how they want to try and win games which leaves the lions in control of this game environment, which is not what it was to start the season. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's an interesting dynamic and nuance of this game that I think the field is probably not likely to latch onto as such. The optimal on paper way to play this game is like stack. Just if you're going to play pieces from this game, Stack Justin Jefferson with Amon Ross and Brown. That's it. Like, just take the highest upside on paper plays from this game that correlate very, very naturally to each other and say, like, this is the avenue to success. There are some very, very interesting leverage pieces primarily from the Lions because the Lions have shown that they want to run the football in the red zone. Jamal Williams, yada, yada, yeah, yada, siphoning all of our yeah. Jamal Williams is a guy who has proven that he can score three touchdowns and barely sniff 4X salary multiplier. That's I, unheard of. <laughs> it,
1: it, it, is, it is mind-numbing for me. So especially yeah. – In the terms of, for me, I want to talk about best ball for a sec since you brought it up. I have a lot of exposure to Swift and I have a lot of exposure to Jamal because I was Mm -hmm. leveraging off each other. But the challenge of being in there where they are is it's just it. I'm trying to, I actually did some data diving and I was trying to find anybody that's had the touchdown scoring that hasn't put up the salary multiplier that Williams has. And nobody's done it. Like it's unheard of in the history of DFS scoring. Like, and it's, it obviously we got Swifty back. We talked about it all over OWS. Hey, Swifty's back. How does he do when he's not on the, you know, not on the injury list. And, you know, he got to his point total. I'm interested to hear what you think about, you know, someone that's starting to get a little bit of steam. He's up to 6% DJ Chark. How how do you feel about some of those other, other leverage pieces in this game?
0: Yeah. I'll give a little sneak peek behind the curtain into the behind the paywall stuff, but I just got done writing the end around, which is like the game theory piece that is behind the paywall here. One of the comparisons that I made in that piece is Christian McCaffrey has averaged 7.6 targets and 13.4 rush attempts per game in his five games with the 49ers that he's played more than 28% of the offensive snaps. Obviously, that first game, he only played 28% of the offensive snaps. We're going to throw that one out. DeAndre Swift, over the last two seasons, when he has not been on the team's final injury report, which is a sample size of only 10 games, (laughs) but... He is off the final injury report this week. He has averaged 15 rush attempts and 6.5 targets per game over those 10 games over the last 10 years. So a higher, basically, uh, running back opportunity total per game than Christian McCaffrey is seeing. Christian McCaffrey is the highest priced running back on the slate. He's expected to get some steam or, or some ownership. So basically, DeAndre Swift equals CMC in San Francisco. Uh, and he's priced at 2700 less than CMC. That's an interesting angle, again, for the state of the running back position on this slate. The other piece that you mentioned is DJ Chark. One of the top ways that I listed as a potential way to generate leverage on the slate is Jared Goff, who's expected to be one of the highest owned quarterbacks, plus Amon Ross St. Brown, who's expected to be one of the highest owned wide receivers, plus DJ Shark. What that does is it lowers your combined per player salary for exposure to one of the top expected offenses on the slate. They have the second highest team total on the slate in the top get expected game environment and DJ Chark is, ha, leads the league in average depth of target this season so he is this team's downfield right. role wide receiver so if DJ Chark succeeds that directly correlates to imp- increased fantasy production from Jared Goff that directly contributes to that game environment potentially blowing up So finding ways to get access or get exposure to one of the top expected game environments on the slate in ways that the field is not super, super plus EV. So like think about running Jared Goff plus, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown plus DJ Chark, bringing it back with Justin Jefferson. And now you have this, like, this is the way that this game environment could explode and you're capturing bulk upside all at once. You're now betting on the touchdowns flowing through Jared Goff, so you're hoping that, God damn it, these pass catchers stop getting tackled at the one
1: <laughs> in oh Detroit. My gosh. The, the, <laughs> which is happening all year. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable at this point. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm gonna give Dwayne McFarland a shout out. Um, most of you who are listening to this are gonna know who Dwayne is. Uh, Dwayne is great at analytics and. you know, he was, he did a breakdown on Twitter a little bit about this this week and there's a cool thread about it. And it's just like, it's mind numbing at what they're, what they're doing with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy how, (laughs) how many times a Detroit pass catcher has been tackled at the one this year. So, um, yeah, there's, there's very interesting ways. Um, I think swift and shark are guys that can get there on their own that don't need this game environment to blow up but that's a very interesting way to attack the game environment in way in a way that the field is not likely to do I'm not gonna so sp- yeah Go so I was just gonna say I'm not gonna spoil um, some other work I did in the end around yep. that's the behind the paywall stuff um, but suffice to say it, it the the combination of Almond Ross St. Brown and Justin Jefferson is probably going to go under owned on the same roster this week.
1: So uh, funny. You said that What I was going to tee up was, is we're out here putting out this content for you. This is for you to be able to see and learn the behind the wall content. The inner circle content is second to none in our industry. I believe Uh, I'll put our content from HiLo, from jm from mike from zanamir from sonic from you know the entire team uh please if i didn't say your name I, I it's not that i don't think you're not involved we just HiLo and i are on a crunch for time today yeah. and yep and we are uh, what's there just in the dfs interpretation of this game i think is amazing content and every week the end around is super important to me uh from a dfs perspective it's it's how I got involved in this community was I was just I was a consumer right I, I've been a consumer for a long long time and I was just taken in the content and it was making me better and as I got to know everybody uh, I, I got to learn and and grow kind of grow up on the DFS DFS side a little bit more with with everybody here so we're gonna leave it at there for everybody to check out um, now we're gonna go on to the the NFC battle right we got uh, the Eagles at the Giants and what I think is an interesting spot, um, especially with you know some of the news we got with Saquon. Oh, hey Saquon, maybe you know Daball came out and kind of threw a curveball at us, you know, with the news. Yeah, again, I am, I, you know, at any time can AJ Hurts and you know Devonta break a slate, especially with Goddard out. Absolutely. Um, how are you going to get exposure to this game and? and what are your what are your spots you're going to try to pick here
0: I don't think I'm going to be prioritizing this game the reason I say that is the eagles have the eagles lead the league in first half scoring this season what they have been able to do to start games has been nothing short of impeccable that said they're bottom 5 in second half scoring this season they are very comfortable eating the clock away, trying to sustain drives in the second half through the legs of Miles Sanders, through Kenneth Gainwell, through Boston Scott, through Jalen Hurts. And they are not pushing the tempo. Or And that's that's also reflected in their pace of play. Um, Top of the league in first half, bottom of the league in second half. So they're very comfortable just trying to get to the end of the game after they've established a lead. Are they likely to establish a lead here? I would argue, hell yeah, they are. <laughs> the Wink Martindale defense is a heavy blitz rate. It is a heavy man coverage behind a heavy blitz rate against a mobile quarterback. That is a recipe for quick failure. And Jalen Hurts is likely to exploit that and exploit that well. He is very, very good. He has made massive strides in his ability to read defenses this season, similar to Josh Allen. He is able to pick up the blitz and either escape or find the holes behind it. The hole behind it. Well, the hole behind the blitz guy now with Dallas Goddard out of the lineup is Devonte Smith. They have altered his where they're asking him to run his routes, to kind of pick up the slack that was left behind that like short to intermediate what was lost from Dallas Goddard. They've also offered or altered Quez Watkins' role in the sense that he is not just the downfield threat anymore. They're scheming him usage behind the line of scrimmage. He's not just running wing spreads. It's amazing. Yeah. So they have changed those two dudes into these like both like well Quez is like all or nothing. He's like running downfield shit or he's getting work <laughs> close to the right. line of scrimmage. Devontae Smith is running this like expansive route tree now. And he's very, very he's one of the top five route runners in the league. He's like Stephon Diggs, I'm on Ross St. Brown level of a route runner. So what he is able to do over the short to intermediate areas of the field has opened up that offense from the sense that now they have have these very, very defined roles. So they're less layered in the sense that they have Dallas Goddard run, who is in the established role. And now they have AJ Brown and Devonte Smith that they can run these layered routes with while that is a slight detriment to the unpredictability of the offense. It doesn't matter as much against the giants because we know like the giants have been 50% uh, man coverage rate, like almost every week of the season. They have been around 40% blitz rate every week of the season. So while a Wink Martindale defense is layered from the sense that you don't know where the blitz is coming from, you know exactly what the hell they're going to do. They are going to play man coverage at 50% of the time. They're going to blitz at like 40% of the time. And while like that disrupts, um, that disrupts teams in the red zone, like The Giants are top five in red zone touchdown rate allowed this season. So while that disrupts teams in the red zone, while that disrupts drives, it isn't as effective against elite quarterbacks. It isn't as effective against mobile quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts is both of those things. So like I see this game highly likely is the Eagles are going to put up 21 points in the first half. The Giants are going to struggle to put up points in this. First half, and that's probably going to lead to the, the Eagles being able to take off their foot off the gas in the second half, while the Giants are thrown into an, an area of uncomfortability because they do not want to find themselves trailing um, late in games. They are fighting tooth and nail to keep themselves themselves in games late, um, and we kind of seen that's how they're approaching their season too. Like they took the Commanders to overtime. Um, And then played an extremely conservative game plan in overtime because they knew that they're playing the commanders again in two weeks. And the winner of that game is probably going to secure one of the final playoff spots in, in the NFC. So dabble is like a kick the can down the road. We'll handle it later. Let's just keep ourselves in the game. Highly unlikely to be the case this week. So I don't know that we see enough volume for A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith to put the slate out of reach. And at their price tags, I think you can find similar upside um, with a higher floor elsewhere.
1: Yeah, the the way I was actually describing how they're using Devonta now was how at the start of last season, how the Chargers used Mike Williams in the X role, right? They're giving him... That kind of opportunity, you, you hit all the nails on the head. It's when I literally had this conversation with somebody. Uh, I was like, look at his route tree now. Look at how they're using him, where they're using him out of, and yeah. how they're scheming the ball to him. Uh, and I said, it literally I go, reminds me when Mike was going off at the beginning of the year. That's exactly how the chargers are using him. I was like, I, I'd be interested if you could like video overlay it. I'll bet you'd see some some interesting comparisons there. Yeah, 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 for sure. And, uh, you know, you talked about hurts. I'm going to give a shout out to, uh, one of our other team members, Jay Reezy, uh, who has that huge, uh, hurts, uh, future on MVP. And he, uh, was very excited after last game, uh, seeing that where it's, yeah. going there, so. <laughs> uh, cause everybody gave a lot of crap about that in his beginning of this before the season. So, uh, I hope he hits it, uh, All right, so we're going to move on as we're finishing up here uh, to our last game we're going to cover, which is the Ravens at the Steelers. And I'm going to start off with what I was shocked about when I opened up ownership this week, Uh, and I wanted to save it to tie into this game. So what I had originally thought about doing was I was like, man, this might be a really cool spot. And you talked about it in last game to go how we've used just, you know, Justin feels naked is use Hertz naked, right? They're blitzing at him. Hertz takes off, you know, Hertz gets 125, you know, rushes for a TD and, you know, has, you know, a decent first half throw in, and he can get me to that four X number, right? He has, he has the ability to get me there and it would be, I just don't think anybody would be doing it because when I started looking at things, I am shocked at the projected ownership of Mark Andrews right now. Mm-hmm. I'm I, I'm I couldn't believe it. If you go back to last season and look at the stats and what he did with Huntley and how that was Huntley's man, that was Huntley's safety blanket. That was, I mean, the target share is unreal. And then you you look and you start looking at tight ends that are above Mark Andrews as of today. I don't think it's going to end here. Maybe it does, but I, I mean, I'm going to go probably all in. Let's talk about a couple that are ahead of him right now. Jordan Akins with <laughs> the 13 point team total Houston, Texas. Say that again, yeah. by the way, they're, they're only, they only have a 13 point team total, right? Uh, Bellinger against an elite defense in Philadelphia. And I like Bellinger Conklin,
0: Conklin yeah.
1: Hooper, right? Uh, I, I, I just, I start looking at that going, okay, like you're just, I'm going to play them like I played Kittle last week. I'm going to figure out how to get the salary there and and where to go and, you know, take the opportunity that, hey, at the Steelers and a game that nobody's probably going to want to touch because of the low point total. And and we're kind of seeing that in ownership going there. Uh, And I want to give a shout out real quick to – Pappy last week. You know, we talked about it. I played it. Uh, I'm also going to have one roster. I'm going to play this Steeler stack until it hits. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if it's going to hit this season, but I think at some point it's going to hit. And I just, at this point, if I don't play it, um, I think it's there. And, and I'm, the stack has shifted for me, right? I'm going pick it Pat. Right. And I'm going front, you know, uh, uh, Pickens. So mm-hmm. I, I just don't know that I can go there with Deontay anymore. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the this is of v- probably the ultimate example of like cross-platform or like cross-book um, arbitrage, like you would think of in um, like sports wagering, because Mark Andrews is the second highest-priced tight end on DraftKings, but he's going in the third round on Underdog drafts this week wild. So I have chosen to get all my Mark Andrews exposure over on underdog and not be forced to pay 6,500 on DraftKings. Um, it's a little bit of that, that same, like, like I alluded to like the, the arbitrage mindset of, of sports wagering where you're line hunting, you're trying to find, um, mispriced lines that overlap to where you're guaranteeing a win. And like, well, we're not guarantee I'm not guaranteeing a win by saying like I'll have forty percent of Mark Andrews over on Underdog, but I'll have five percent, whatever the case may be on Draftkings. It's an interesting way to layer your exposure um, that I've been trying to fold into the into my my habit pattern a little bit more this season. With that said, I would not fault anyone like yourself who's like, I want all the Mark Andrews in DFS this week. The only thing that leads me a little bit away from that again is that what you can do on underdog is so much different than what you can do on DraftKings this week. For example, like the top three projected wide receiver plays on the slate are probably Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Amon Ross, St. Brown you can feasibly play all three together on DraftKings. Whereas on Underdog, those guys are all top five picks. Yeah, they're, they're off the board there. So while, again, that arbitrage mindset, I really, really like Mark Andrews upside this week, but I can get him from a third round pick in, on Underdog where I have to pay a top two salary on DraftKings to get him. And I can't fit all those pieces together like I can on DraftKings with the wide receivers that I just talked about, or on Underdog where it's like I can fit um, I can fit Jamar Chase and Mark Andrews, or I can fit Justin Jefferson and Mark Andrews in a draft, um, but I can't get like all three plus Mark Andrews. So I'm just taking the interesting dynamics of, of player pricing of ADP, which is kind of like player pricing for best ball, um, and playing with those a little bit to, to get my portfolio to the exposure that I want it to, to be. Um, and so that's my stance on Mark Andrews this week, um, kind of line shopping, getting a little bit of arbitrage betting mentality on him. Um, but I obviously very clearly love his upside.
1: Yeah. It's so interesting. So, uh, you teed this up perfectly for me. So, um, for those that don't know. Uh, I'm part of the props team with one week season. Um, you know, NBA is going out. We had a monster week at NBA. Uh, just we were up $2,400 this week in NBA, which that, that's just an unreal heater. We'll, we'll take them when they come. But one of the things I'm using underdog and prize picks and such more is this exact leverage point. So I'm also taking lineups like this. And looking at their projections and saying, okay, I'm saying, this is what I expect here. So if I lower my exposure on DraftKings, I'll raise my exposure from a pick side on underdog, right. Or prize yeah. picks and say, Hey, right here is the story I'm going to tell, right. One of the things we talk about, and Mark is really good at this is if this happens, then this is what my expectation is. It's one of the things he teaches in his courses and really helps you understand that that's a great question to ask, right? So if Mark Andrews starts to break the slate, then where do I have my exposure is the question I ask myself, right? And I love him Mm -hmm. at DK. I love him more on the prop side this week. I think he's a great leverage point to say, okay, hey, here is his, you know, receptions prop. Here is his receiving yards prop. And I believe he's going to hit over. And it allows me to also cover both sides of the coin. Um, it's, it's one of the things we're, we're teaching our prop members in the paid areas is how to get exposure to these. And instead of just building, you know, one three-person lineup or one five-person lineup – build 10 of them, build 20 of them, build 30 of them a week and take your player pool and get your exposure that way. And when you start hitting, right. When you start winning three, five, seven of, you know, 20, right. Your ROI is going to be really good from an exposure side. And that's where game theory and DFS comes in with that. Yep. Dig it. So one of the things I want to end up with here is, um, I want to talk about you and kind of kind of blow you up here for a sec. Folks, if you're listening to this, you don't really get to see, but you can watch if you're checking us out on YouTube. Mark is talking about this. Unlike me without looking at stats, <laughs> Mark does this off the top of his head because he's basically raid man with this stuff. Uh, for those that are just getting to know him, those that are just starting to listen to this a little bit earlier, he has exposure here. That is, I am just impressive to watch every week and I'm pretty good with stats, but the the way you're able to memorize this and you see it, it just sticks in that, that braid of yours. Uh, it's really cool. And I think it's something that gives one week season uh, because of who's helping create content here, gives us a leg up. Uh, so I want to give you a shout out for that. And it's just impressive to watch every week as we do our podcast. Appreciate it, man. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So a couple minutes left here. Week 14, right? I, I asked it last, you know, we talked about it, you know, who are you at, you know, where are you at as, as best balls? As you know, we're going to start playoffs, you know, really next week. Um, you know, we talked about fields. Um, as you're starting to see your teams, like, you know, a bunch of us got a few on the bubble, but there is, this is who's going through. Who's your, who's your leverage points you see? And give, give me one or two guys that are going to be what you think is a, a huge leverage point opportunity. Honestly, dude,
0: it's tough for me to say because I'm checking it right now. I'm checking my best ball for the first time since we spoke last. Okay. Um, just because how hectic the weeks have been over the past couple of weeks. Now that we're into holiday season, now that the um, <laughs> I'm taking on a little bit more NBC. So there's I've been super busy to where I haven't even looked. So I'm gonna oh, we're gonna do this live. Um, awesome. I have a lot of my teams that are projected to go through are Jalen Hurts doubles. So I got a lot of the I got a lot of the AJ Brown uh and Devontae Smith going. Um I think what I I need fields, man. And it sucks that he was hurt and then now he's on his bye in the last week prior to playoffs. Uh because I have so much fields, dude. Um other areas, I think, to answer that question. Where you
1: at on running back? What's your running? Who, who do you need at running back?
0: Dude, I have so much Jamal Williams. It's it's insane. So while I hate his guts in DFS, like <laughs> for best ball, he's like he's actually doing me a solid here um, this season. Um, and then I think just from a roster construction standpoint, I have a lot of teams that are uh, for running backs. So like skinny um, running back teams yeah. on that are open up upside, obviously at other positions. So that's extreme variance, embracing mindset to have. Um, so it could go one of two ways I could get shit on in the first round of playoffs, or I could have these really, really unique teams uh, still alive late. So we'll see how that plays. That was something I messed around with um, for the first time this year was the theory of like roster construction in best ball format.
1: Uh, and if you want to see how that went, go uh, check out some of Mark's past Twitters. Uh, yeah. and he posted some of those lineups and the, uh, and the response he got to those. I am excited to go back and see once, you know, we get into the playoffs here. Uh, I actually bookmarked a couple of them. Just oh, because nice. I love the comments. Yeah. So, cause I, I was like, Oh, this is what I want to check later. Right. Cause of the comments yeah. on it. Like, I mean, you were, you know, the, you don't know what you're doing. I mean, it was just, yeah. It, it took funny, some heat. You know? <laughs> it did. So uh, I'm interested to see, see where those go. That's the fun of theoretics
0: is like, nobody knows the answer, but we're just out here it's an experiment we'll see so
1: <laughs> all right everybody well we're gonna end up here uh once again if you're not listening to this a podcast for me come check us out on youtube and hope uh everybody runs great this week and come check out our content in our discord talk to you guys soon